greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to tune in to this podcast. We've been offering these online services every week since the first lockdown began. Each act of worship combines archive recordings of our choir and congregational singing, together with newly recorded readings, intercessions and sermons. And these services will be continuing into the future, even though we're delighted to say that our live acts of worship will be starting again on the 28th of March, which is Palm Sunday. We keep a candle burning by the altar here each day as a sign of hope, even when our doors are closed. And when we light it, we think about you all and we give thanks for you. Do please leave a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these online services, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. And now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins.
May I welcome you very warmly to St Bride's to this service of choral evensong on this, the fifth Sunday of Lent, which is Passion Sunday. Wherever you are in the world, and however you're listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St Bride's family. Beloved, we are come together in the presence of Almighty God and of the whole company of heaven to offer unto him through our Lord Jesus Christ our worship and praise and thanksgiving, to make confession of our sins, to pray as well for others as for ourselves, that we may know more truly the greatness of God's love and show forth in our lives the fruits of his grace, and to ask on behalf of all men such things as their well-being doth require. Wherefore, let us kneel now and humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no help in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant unto you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for amendment of life, and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
The Old Testament reading is taken from Exodus, chapter 7, beginning at the 8th verse. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, saying, Show a miracle for you, then thou shalt say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and cast it before Pharaoh, and it shall become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened, he refuseth to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning, lo, he goeth out unto the water, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink against he come, and the rod which was turned to a serpent shall thou take in thine hand. And thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness. And behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in mine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, both in vessels of wood and vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so, as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod, and smote the waters that were in the river, in the sight of Pharaoh, and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the Egyptians digged round about the river for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the river. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
The New Testament reading is taken from Romans chapter 5, beginning at the twelfth verse. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offence, so also is the free gift. For if through the offence of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offences unto justification. For if by one man's offence death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offence of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered, that the offence might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Merciful God, 
by the death and resurrection of thy Son, Jesus Christ, hast delivered and saved the world. Grant that by faith in him who suffered on the cross, we may triumph in the power of his victory. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Saviour. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ.
In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I wonder if you can recognize the following kind of experience. Imagine that you have an event in your diary that you are really dreading, but it's something that's unavoidable, so you know that eventually you're going to have to face it. It might be, for example, a major surgical operation that you know you have to undergo with all kinds of risks and unknown factors attached to it. Fortunately, however, it is not actually urgent, so the dreaded event is still some months away. So, for the time being at least, you can push all thoughts about it to the very back of your mind and get on with the rest of life. But of course, time passes, and the dreaded event that for so long has felt so far off comes steadily closer. And one day you realise that it is less than a fortnight away, and you recognise that you can no longer ignore it, but instead must start to prepare for it to think about the practical things that you need to do in the days leading up to it. And you also start to get in touch with your feelings about it, as all the fears that you have successfully managed to bury for so long begin to come to the surface. And you may start to think about how best to prepare yourself for it mentally and spiritually how you can psych yourself up to face the thing that is drawing closer by the day as you get ready for that challenging step into the unknown that you know will take you into a place of difficulty and pain and discomfort. Hold that thought for a moment. I'm reminded each year during our services in Lent and Holy Week of how wise and insightful these liturgies are and of how powerfully they connect with real human experience and human psychology. And that is certainly true of today, the fifth Sunday of Lent, or Passion Sunday. Let me explain what I mean. Lent is a time of spiritual preparation when in solidarity with Jesus and his own 40-day sojourn in the wilderness, we are invited to share in that desert experience in our own way. It provides us with the opportunity to reflect on what is really going on in our lives, to discipline ourselves into living more simply so that we can focus on life's essentials and discover more about what is truly dominating our hearts and minds. Last Sunday, Mothering Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Lent, is an occasion when the mood lightens for a moment as we give thanks for our mother, the church. But Mothering Sunday is followed today by Passion Sunday, when the focus changes completely and, in much more sombre mood, we turn our faces towards Holy Week. 
People sometimes struggle to understand the point of Passion Sunday, including, it has to be said, some clergy. I once worked for a vicar who approached today as if it were actually Good Friday. So the readings, hymns, sermon and prayers that we had <coughs> were utterly focused on the death of Jesus, so much so that when we reached Good Friday itself, it felt as if we'd already done it once, and so with a sinking heart, we had to immerse ourselves in all that desolation, bleakness and despair all over again. Whereas in fact, Passion Sunday is subtly different from Good Friday in a way that makes perfect sense to me when I think of it in terms of the story with which I began this evening. Because Passion Sunday marks the point at which we are suddenly called to face the fact that Good Friday is less than a fortnight away and that the time has come for us to turn our attention to how we are going to prepare for it. But what do I mean by that? The Christian faith is a faith that has resurrection and the promise of new life at its very heart. But you cannot have a resurrection unless you first have a death. The Christian faith invites us to embrace a new kind of living, but we cannot do that unless we are able to put to death, to use the language of the New Testament, all that is most destructive and negative in our old lives. And so it is that each Good Friday, my personal spiritual discipline is to try to identify some part of me of which I am ashamed or which keeps me in chains that I can metaphorically nail to the cross so that something new and different within me can be set free. In his letter to the Romans, St. Paul speaks of us being united in Christ's death so that we can share in his resurrection. There was a time in the past when I found myself constantly haunted by my own previous mistakes and the foolish things that I had done. I came to realize that both those actions themselves and also the pain that their recollection continued to cause me were all consequences of my pride and that my pride was a mark of my own deep-seated insecurity. Once I started to realize that actually I didn't need to gain other people's attention or approval to have a sense of self-worth, but rather just get on with the mundane business of trying to be me to the best of my ability, at that point I started to be set free. But the starting point for that gradual process of liberation was, for me, my recognition of what it was within me that I needed to nail to the cross each Good Friday. For me, 
every year, Passion Sunday marks the start of that very specific period of preparation within the longer journey of Lent. Because it's the day when I turn my face towards the cross and start to prepare myself for the challenge of Good Friday, to think about what it is within my own life that I need to nail to the cross, or, if you prefer a different image, to lay at the feet of the crucified Christ, so that when the time comes, I can also share in his resurrection. And in so doing, I also have to recognize the fact of my own mortality and that the path that leads me to the cross of Christ inevitably draws me ever closer to the occasion of my own death, which, to return to the theme of my sermon back on Ash Wednesday at the very start of Lent, makes it the more urgent that I, that we all, embrace the gifts of God in this life while we still can. There is an ancient Celtic prayer written in the shadow of death. It is in fact called Death Prayer, which paradoxically is all about gifts and for me, all about life. It is about beginnings rather than ends. And I can think of no better text with which to begin our journey into Passion Tide. It goes like this. O God, give me of thy wisdom. O God, give me of thy mercy. O God, give me of thy fullness and of thy guidance in face of every strait. O God, give me of thy holiness. O God, give me of thy shielding. O God, give me of thy surrounding and of thy peace in the knot of my death. O oh, give me of thy surrounding and of thy peace at the hour of my death. Amen.
Let us pray. You come to meet us, O Lord, long before we search for you. Make your church a gateway to encounter your presence and glory. May we show forth your love and always direct hearts to you. We ask for your blessing on our parish, on Alison, our rector, on Sarah, our bishop, and Justin and Stephen, our archbishops. Also today, the church in Lund in Sweden and Bishop Johan Turberg. On this Church Action on Poverty Sunday, we pray for the poor in this city and the world, and for those who work for the relief of poverty. In our own diocese, we pray for the Hackney Deanery, for its area dean, and for its synod. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. You come to meet us, O Lord, amidst the struggles and tensions of life. Give all people courage to stand for justice and peace. Bring in your kingdom of truth and liberty. We pray for the leaders of the nations, for those who work to prevent violence against women and girls, for all who work for peace in our world, and for journalists. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. You come to meet us, O Lord, in moments of faithfulness and failure. Give us grace to confront the darkness within and to embrace new life in you. Help victims and offenders to be set free from all that burdens them. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. You come to meet us, O Lord, in strength and weakness. As you shared our frailty, give comfort to all in distress or adversity. We ask for your blessing on all those in our parish community who are in need at this time. We pray also for those whom we know and all who suffer in body, in mind or in spirit. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. You come to meet us, O Lord, in your cross and resurrection. Draw to yourself all who have died. We pray especially for the recently departed and for those whose year's mind comes at this time. Rest eternal grant unto them, O Lord. 
let light perpetual shine upon them. As we sing the praise of him who died, so may we come to triumph in his victory. Lord, in thy mercy, hear our prayer. We commend ourselves and all for whom we have prayed to the mercy and protection of God. Merciful Father, accept, accept these, these prayers, prayers for, the for the sake of thy, of thy Son, Son, our Saviour Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Amen. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, 
Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always.